0: Okay, so in my previous vocation, I had a job where I had to travel a lot for work. So I was on flights monthly, a lot of flying, which was terrible and great all at the same time. And I had my had my wardrobe set for each flight. You know, I knew what uh, what hoodie I was gonna wear, what pants I was gonna wear. I had to be as comfortable as I could, and what shoes I was going to wear. Okay. Now, Bill, when when you fly, do you have like a specific uh, wardrobe that you wear? What shoes would you wear on a flight?
1: On a flight? Well, I have only flown. Mm, I think it's got to be less than ten times. My no, I'm no wait. I had to fly back from wherever I came, so I guess we yeah. double up on it. I think I would want to wear the Birkenstocks I've been wearing for the last few years, and. Maybe even if it were winter, I would put the socks on so I could look like a university student.
0: Yeah, well, yeah.
1: So that would be that would be the shoes I would wear. What about you? What are those shoes?
0: Well, typically I'd wear a, a pair of, of uh, comfortable sneakers. But after uh, after visiting this song, I think I can get myself a pair of blue suede shoes, and I'm gonna board a plane.
1: Nice.
2: shoes and I boarded the plane. Touched down in the land of the Delta Blues, in the middle of the pouring rain.
0: Welcome to uh, Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Today we're talking about Mark Cohn's Walking in Memphis. When I was walking in Memphis,
2: I was walking with my feet 10 feet off a of beer. Walking in
1: I say this so often, so I apologize. It's a very your... special song. It's going. a special song to us, and it's a song that people have referred to as a one-hit wonder. And I'm cool with it being a wonder. I'm cool with it being a hit. Yeah. But I'm not cool with people denigrating Marcone Cohn, because the guy has still been able to produce really, really good songs. He has a great career going. He's a working musician. And so... He had a song that really hit off, but he's quite talented. So when I think of, I guess when I think of one hit wonder, I'd rather think of Milli Vanilli. But
0: eh, they had a couple. Of they hits, had a lot but of hits. They weren't even really theirs. Robin Fabs, right? Right.
1: So. And we will, of course, be doing Milli Vanilli at some point.
0: Yeah, I think I think we have. Yeah.
1: To. But there is something to be said where they say, okay, Milli Vanilli has a lot of hits, but when you're comparing the Marcone, like, well. <laughs> Mark Cohen has staying power. Yeah, he has staying power. This song is uh like it still
0: plays today in my mind. Oh my well, goodness. Mind you, I think every song that I listen to still plays.
1: So <laughs> So this song, uh, we want to do some justice to it. And we were just discussing before we started this episode how much there was to this song. Like it was way more than we realized. I was we, it was like I thought we'd do a deep dive but as we jumped in didn't realize that pit just kept going and going
0: there's a lot going on with this song and there's a you, you get to you get to know mark cone a little bit throughout the song which is which is fantastic and yeah. uh the backstory behind how this all came about and, and everything it's 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 a great song like uh it's a great song without knowing that but now knowing it a little more in depth and understanding what uh uh, what the tune's about because it's essentially an uh, autobiographical uh, song yeah. about a, about a trip to Memphis. But it's uh, um, when you, when you hear the uh, uh, the details of the stories, like it's it just it makes the song even more powerful.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's start there. So Mark Cohn from Cleveland, yes. Ohio, um, born into a family that encountered tragedy early.
0: Yeah, his uh, his his mother died when uh, he was two and a when half. He was two and a half, and then his father suddenly died when he was nine. So he had to be uh, uh, he was raised by his uh, by a stepmom.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if it's twelve or nine, but this is where we're.
0: Yeah. Well, the one well the the internet that I read said nine, so I don't know what internet you're reading. Yeah,
1: my internet had him at twelve, but then again, it's uh, why we're arguing over years. Yeah. Here.
0: <laughs> So, so, Mark had, had this tragic uh, childhood, um, but we're going to fast forward to, uh, he's living in New York at the time, right? He was a, he was a ses- session
1: musician, right? Yeah.
0: Like Mark uh, Cohn was? Yeah, right? started
1: off in LA trying to work the clubs and do mm-hmm. his thing, wasn't getting any bites from record companies, moved to New York and worked as a session singer.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I read somewhere that he was discovered by Carly Simon.
1: Oh, Okay, I did not read that, but that's uh, look who's doing his research yeah, now. Impressive. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but he uh, he hits a point where he's in his late twenties. He's around twenty eight, I think. Yeah, or, or somewhere around there. Yeah. And he's and things aren't going his way in terms of his dreams. He realizes Jackson Brown wrote these days when he was sixteen years old. Yeah, that. James Taylor wrote Fire and Rain when he was only seventeen years old. Yeah, seventeen or eighteen, or 18 yeah, seven, something like that. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So it's ten he's thinking, I'm now in my late twenties and I don't have I haven't got there. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Yeah. And he reads a magazine where there's an interview with James Taylor where he says if things aren't going his way in terms of the creative production process he goes geographic it's the term James Taylor uses which means he just moves to another place to see if he can get inspiration for a while yeah and this leads to the trip to memphis
0: yeah so mark Cohn takes takes a trip down to memphis and um and we'll we'll walk through the song here pun intended um and and basically it's 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 his it's his trip to to memphis like he sings about uh, Beale Street. He sings about W.C. Handy, uh, Graceland, uh, going down to Hollywood, which was actually in Mississippi, not uh, mm-hmm. not not in not in Memphis. But uh, it, it works so well with this song. It, you yeah. couldn't you could not not include that as part of the story in, in in this song, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, let's go. First verse. Here we go. Mm-hmm. He says he's putting on his blue suede shoes, as you referred to, and boarded the plane. And then touched down and landed the Delta Blues in the middle of the pouring rain.
0: And w- the one uh, one thing I read was uh, the piano at the beginning is supposed to resemble rain. That's a word, right? Resemble? Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, that's okay. Good. I didn't think about that. Yeah,
0: but you listen to it; it's that has that uh, like little pitter patter type of uh,
1: sound to it, right? Well, I can tell you what that sound is. It's arpeggiated.
0: Okay, that's that's not...
1: Are are we sure that's a word? It's an arpeggiated piano sound. Okay. I took grade five piano. Okay. I did not do well on my grade five Royal Conservatory exams, but I did pass. Yeah. And then I promptly quit. Like, I retired on top, in my view. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I saw arpeggiated somewhere.
0: Yeah okay <laughs> and now i've used it now we've used and it's it. it's over okay
1: <laughs> it's a uh, your your education in piano has, has finally paid off here that's right so that's uh, that piano sound are peggyated. yeah <laughs> i really hope i got this right someone is dying right now hearing me say this yeah
0: just screaming at uh, whatever device they're listening on um, so yeah, that's the the first verse is him basically arriving in Memphis, the the, the home of the Delta blues. So uh, blues and gospel music really prolificate this uh, uh, the the themes in this
1: uh, in this song. The uh, there's references in these each of these verses. So we talked about this. So blue suede shoes, he's referencing Carl Perkins, mm-hmm. not Elvis.
0: Elvis popularized this song, but Carl Perkins was the was the guy that wrote it. And yeah. originally recorded it.
1: Yeah, in Memphis. In Memphis, yeah. yeah. And I watched an interview where Mark Cohn's like, they said, hey, a bit of a subtle, uh, you know, thumbs up towards Carl Perkins. He goes, no, nah, it wasn't subtle. <laughs> said, that was a very obvious. <laughs> so, yeah. But he wanted Carl Perkins to be the first and foremost thing that he mentions. Yeah. yeah. And so um, Delta Blues, I, I did a little bit of research about the Delta Blues. So you got the Delta Blues comes out of the Mississippi Delta, yeah. which is just below memphis yep. so it's neat that like i didn't realize my geography is terrible uh, it's not as bad as my brothers but it's bad <laughs> <laughs> so sorry wolfman so but the uh, mississippi is just below it it's like a 20 minute drive you can yep. get to mississippi and that whole delta areas where the blues i mean i don't know if this is cradle of the blues but the delta blues is very specific and important
0: yeah and and there's different pockets of, of blues um Birthplaces like there's the chicago blues there's the memphis blues, right. there's um well those are the only two blues i know about yeah so that this is uh like obviously very influential in in uh in blues uh, music right
1: right and so he calls out wc handy a little yep. prayer and it's a prayer right wc yep. handy won't you look down over me which is already begins this notion of angels and spirits around him Which yeah. which is uh which will repeat throughout the song.
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna jump into this a little bit more. But uh, the this whole trip and this song was a uh, Marcone has referred to as as a spiritual
1: awakening.
2: Handy, won't you look down over me?
1: So W.C. Handy is the self-proclaimed father of the blues. He was the first to publish blues songs so um he also has a song called the beale street blues yes which i i took some time to listen and we'll throw in right now mm-hmm. to more blues yeah this is good yeah i i I
0: don't think i uh i don't give it a a good enough uh shake when i when i i just kind of pass over the blues for some reason
1: i never realized how much we owe the blues in terms of the music we like and all that yeah
0: yeah it's so influential for for rock and roll and and uh and and, uh guilt-free pleasures yeah and the music we listen to right like it's 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 really important
1: so we got he's got a first class ticket. Well, I don't know if that's true. I mean, he's there's no way he's got that much money.
0: Yeah, a starving musician or whatever. But I mean it's a pretty short flight, I think, from New York to Memphis, maybe, but uh, you know.
1: Would you go on a first class ticket if it's a short flight? So if you're gonna fly to Ottawa, would you take first class? The the
0: thing on, on short flights like that, they don't really have a first class. Like it's not like lie down seats and you know, champagne and all that other sort of fun stuff.
2: Yeah, I got a first class ticket. I'm as blue
1: as a boy can be. He's as blue as a boy can be. Yeah. Mark Cohn. So this
0: is, um, and we we had a a brief discussion about this prior to recording. And yeah, because he's saying, I have a first class ticket, but I'm as blue as a boy can be. So I thought it was just like, you know, he's coming in, like, I have a first class ticket, but I'm still blue collar. But Bill says... He's depressed. He's depressed because that makes sense with the song.
1: Yeah, the whole point of this, he's coming there and he's dealing with trauma. And he mentions this freely, that he's been dealing with his mother's death and his father's death his whole life. But his mother, who he has no memories of, he's only two and a half. Yeah. He journals about it. He writes about it. And this is something he's especially working through while he's there as his 28-year-old, still dealing with, you know, the loss of mom. That's massive. Yeah. I can't even imagine it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right? so um so yeah and then, then he he's he's in Memphis so we we jump into the to the course where he's walking in Memphis and he's mm-hmm. walking with his feet 10 feet off the Beale which uh, so Beale Street uh, as bill had mentioned is is in Memphis and that's a, a sort of a musical entertainment uh hub of a street correct yeah I think mm-hmm. and so I mean obviously this is a this is a metaphor for um he's just excited right yeah he's, he's like 10 feet off the ground
2: They're Walking with my feet, 10 feet off a beam. Walking in Memphis. But do you really feel the way I feel?
1: So, the line that jumps out at me that I was going to use as a joke at the beginning. Oh, okay. Do I really feel the way I feel? What a question. Yeah. So, when you're in that moment of being in a place that yes. creates this emotion and then you're you're on this high yeah he says do i really feel the way i feel and this is great because it's going to play into what's coming up in the song yeah it's important i mean it's an important question do i really feel the way i feel yes you actually do feel the way you feel now whether it's real whether it's lasting Mm -hmm. these are all big questions but i think it's important that in that moment when you're feeling that elation to just feel it go with it Unless you're like planning to rob a bank or something. You yeah, really then just, you don't. You don't. check those feelings yeah. at the door. Yeah. You check yourself before you wreck yourself. Why is the words never
0: spoken? Is this podcast being held in
2: 1996? saw the ghost of Elvis On you you never knew. Followed him up to the gates of Graceland Then I watched him walk right through Now security they did not see him they just hover around this tomb. But there's a pretty little thing waiting for the king down in the jungle room.
1: All right, so no, oh, here we go. Second verse, not the same as the first. No, not at all. He sees the ghost of Elvis. So here we are. We had the angel of WC Handy looking down. Mm-hmm. But now you have the ghost of Elvis who has not risen up to the heights to hang with WC Handy. He is still haunting memphis yeah.
0: so i i want to i want to um make sure that the listeners are aware though that although the song is autobiographical mark cone did not actually see a ghost do you have that verified
1: um the internet told me that okay. he well, did that's, that's as good as mine so, too yeah. yeah okay but here's the reason why it's implausible not that there isn't a ghost of elvis yeah well the I mean, how old is Elvis now? So uh, Elvis would have if he if he so they claim he died in seventy seven at forty. Yep. Shocking. Yeah, he he'd still be in his eighties or eighty four. And for a lot of our listeners, we know he's he is still in his eighties yep. wherever he is. So he can't haunt. he can't haunt. Well, he's in a cabin with Kurt Cobain. <laughs> I was going to say John F. Kennedy, but oh, sure, well, him too. Yeah, um it was in the National Enquirer. So the ghost of Elvis. Is on Union Avenue, okay? And mm-hmm. he follows him up to the gates of Graceland. Yep. Here's the thing. I uh used a my map app on the phone here. Yep. It is a two point five hour walk from Union to Graceland. Yep. No, no way, Marcone. You're not making it if you're making He's walking it, in Memphis. He is. He's oh well, that's a long walk. Two point five hours. I mean, no wonder he's delirious. He's <laughs> seeing, seeing ghosts. Two point five hours is a super long walk. So I mean, you could do it. I think it's a, I don't know, a twelve-minute drive. Well, wait—is that two-hour walk? That <laughs> can't be. I don't well, know.
0: Well, let, let, let's let's so walking. The average walking pace is about four miles an hour. Okay. Oh, Sorry, no that that's a, that's a quick walking pace. Sorry. Oh, so, well then that makes sense. Let, let's say five kilometers an hour because we're we're metric here. Yeah. Right? So a, you're you're looking at seven and a half kilometers, right?
1: Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I don't really have any... F- I don't think I've walked that far in a long time. So, it's yeah. uh, either way, Marcone. that's a long walk. No, wait, that's completely wrong. It's yeah. 12 and a half
0: kilometers. Yeah. I do math for a living.
1: Yeah, I teach it. <laughs> yeah. I just let you say, well, whatever, <laughs> kilometers, miles, okay. Oh, man, this is the end of our math podcast. It is. <laughs> so, they watch, he watches him walk through the... Um, in a Graceland, security's too busy hovering around his tomb. Mm-hmm. Um so we got the pretty little thing waiting for the king down in the jungle room uh a, a listed affair Well depends right like is
0: it uh, was he uh divorced Priscilla at the at this at this time?
1: Yeah well he uh well yeah I guess they got divorced Yeah are they still divorced he's dead Well yeah. maybe I mean I know I said he was alive but if he's a ghost does he still have is he still when he becomes a ghost is he still divorced or is he remarried? is he married to Or is Priscilla? he still
0: meeting pretty young things?
1: Right. Is and uh sorry, pretty little things. Pretty little cuz pretty little things.
0: It's like, a little it's a little degrading
1: though. Well, I mean his daughter hung out with him in the jungle room, but it was okay. just like I went through a deep dive into finding out all about this jungle room. Yeah. Cuz I assumed like, "Oh, that sounds really dirty." I'm like, "Oh, no, no, he just liked to hang out in the room." Yeah. And it was, had a great rug in there, yeah. which made the sound perfect for yeah. recording his last two albums. And his daughter would be down there having breakfast with him mm-hmm. at four in the afternoon because that's when Elvis woke up. <laughs> Come on, Elvis. We, we could have been here longer. Just be with the rest of the world. You don't have yeah. to live like this. Yeah. So again, the the one site that I that I read said
0: uh, the Jungle Room is where Elvis would be taking care of business.
1: And his toilet was in there?
0: Well, they meant... We'd be meeting girls. Oh, really? That's that's wow. That, okay, we get a totally
1: different uh, version of taking care of business.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> All right, where's that therapist? Somebody, we, we need yeah. we
1: need him in. Um. So yeah, that that
0: that that gets us to Graceland. And then we we hit we hit the course again, and then this verse is a uh, really fantastic because I really want to go to Memphis. Yeah. Uh, for for a couple of reasons, I really want. Um, and and in this in this verse, uh, there's a reference to going to church where Al Green is the is the preacher because Al Green has a church in Memphis. Yes, so that's one of the reasons I want to uh, go to Memphis. I also want to go to Memphis and sing this song while I'm walking down Beale Street and get all the locals really angry at me because I, I I bet you that like so many tourists do that.
1: Oh, it'd be awful. Yeah, and I, th- I wondered if there is actually a tour. For this song? Yeah. I imagine there would be. I would think so. And...
0: uh, Two and a half hour walk from uh, Union Avenue to Graceland?
1: Yeah. They call out that song. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to hate that song after (laughs) that walk. But the um, Full Gospel Tabernacle, which is Al Green's church, Mm -hmm. is just minutes from Graceland. Like, it's really super close. And he, they haven't been open during the pandemic, but I think Al Green still does do his thing there. I mean, he's seventy five yeah. now, so I don't think he'll have quite the same power.
0: Yeah, but uh, but Mark Cone, so Mark Cohn actually did go to this, uh, it, go to a church service yeah. um, there, and he said it lasted for hours.
1: My good friend's ex boyfriend, out oh. there, did you ever meet Stewart. Do you remember Stuart? No. Okay. He went to Al Green's church. He just he was, he's from Scotland, but he would just move around, and he moved oh, okay. stayed in Memphis for some reason. But he went to Al Green's church for a couple weeks. Oh, and really? He said while well, he was there, like people would just hug him, and you're just now you just felt when you're there, you feel like you're part of the congregation, but you yeah. also feel like you're part of the faith. Whatever Al Green is yeah. preaching up there, you're all in. So there's something transformative that happens in that moment. And so the do I really feel the way I feel is also really important for Mark Cone, who who's grown up in Judaism. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to these gospel churches. He loves gospel music. Yeah. And then he mentions what's he say there? Um, the Reverend Green, be glad to see you when you haven't got a prayer. But boy, you have a prayer in memphis. And that line and the way
0: he he quiets it down. Oh and my it gosh. just makes
1: it like really, really sincere. Oh, it's right. Is that your favorite part? I think uh, that might be my favorite
0: part. It, it's if if it's if it's not my favorite part, it's my favorite part. Like of that part, it, it's I have. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite part of that part. No, there's favorite part A and favorite part B. So that that if it's not A, it's B. There.
1: It's definitely in my top three. Yeah, it's it's one of my top three. Okay, so. Um, But, the, the, yeah, that's on the list. So, Al Green, Memphis. Yeah. If anyone's from Memphis, please reach out to us. Yeah. I want to hear about this. Yeah, exactly, right?
2: They've got gospel in the air. And Reverend Green, be glad to see you when you haven't got a prayer. Boy, you got a prayer in Memphis
0: he gives a gives a story of of his experience like mark uh, Cohn says in, in interviews about uh, about being there and just being like um he said like his like he's just sweaty cuz it's just like yeah it's hot and he said like he's uh he's sitting in the pews and he's crying and he understand like he he realizes an irony about it um he said like growing up going to a synagogue in in cleveland and just crying there because he wants to get out of there so much but just having this like um uh this huge spiritual um experience at uh, at this church and uh I, i can only imagine the amount of energy that that's going on there and he said like as the service went on, the band just had more and more energy and sounded better and better. And like, you know, I think he said it was like three or four hours
1: long. Yeah. Like, that's a long time. I got to tell you, as someone who was a Pentecostal in the 90s... If Al Green wasn't your pastor, when you're hitting that three-hour mark, which sometimes it did, yeah. I was crying like Cohen cried at synagogue. Yeah, it's like, just get me home. <laughs> Nothing worse than hearing a pastor say, wouldn't it be great if we're here all day? It's like, yeah. no, <laughs> no, the turkey's <laughs> going to burn. This is no, don't do this to us. Oh, oh yeah. there's so much to work through. Yeah. <laughs> so if this were a short story, the next verse hits to the climactic portion of the story, or yes. at least the turn of the yeah. story, which is when I would teach it, like, you don't need this, like, shoot-em-up battle, but this yeah. is the moment where everything turns around for yeah. our man Mark.
0: So, yeah, and there's there's a story about uh, about uh, this verse or bridge or whatever you want to call it as well. So
1: um, Muriel plays piano. Well, we'll just play this little portion. Yeah.
2: Muriel plays piano Every Friday at the Hollywood and they brought me down to see her, and they asked me if I would do a little number, and I sang with all my might. She
1: said, so, let's talk a bit about Muriel. Yeah. So, Muriel Davis Wilkins is by now a retired school teacher. Sometimes in Mark Cohen's retelling of this, he's she's a school teacher who's trying to make money on the side, mm-hmm. but she... Her ages range between 65 and 75, depending on the interview that I've heard him give. Yeah. I think 65 makes sense. And so, she'd play there every Friday night.
0: Yeah, the, the club called The Hollywood, right? The Hollywood. Yeah. And
1: so, this is a, and I got this down, it's about a 20-minute drive from Memphis. So, he, you drive 20 minutes down to uh, Robinsonville, Mississippi, mm-hmm. where The Hollywood is, and she'd be there, his agent, I think is the one who said, if you're down there, you need to go to Al Green's church, mm-hmm. and then you also have to go see Muriel Wilkins' play at the Hollywood. Yeah. So, he goes there. She know- I guess she knew he was coming. Uh, that's the- not what I heard. I-, I heard that he befriended her
0: over the course of the right. evening.
1: Okay, yeah, no, that's true. I think, so there's an interview with a waiter working there, and he- <laughs> this is like... <laughs> I went really deep on this. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, but, I, but either way, he's there. She doesn't know him except that he's there. And he started just talking to her, but also yeah. pouring out his soul. Yeah. So he yeah. tells her that he's get, still working through his mother's death at the age of two, his father's death at the age of 12, that he doesn't know what to do with his wow. life. He's working through this trauma. And, so, and he mentions, oh, I got a quote here. Let me bring this up. Okay. So he's been talking to her all night and then... They ask him to do a little number.
0: Yeah, to, to play to play with her, yeah.
1: Yeah, so then this and we'll play it here because it gives like them that major part.
2: Yeah. And they asked me if I would do a little number And I sang with all my might. She said, Tell me are you a Christian child? And I said, man, I am tonight, walking in the
1: and so there's that line. Tell me, are you a Christian child, ma'am? I am tonight, which didn't happen. Because no. he but he said oh, a,
0: he's dramatizing. Yeah,
1: right. which is like, and which is fun, but the, which is the sentiment. He's been in Allegra's yeah. church. He's been there. He's sang yeah. Amazing Grace with her. That was yeah. the last song they sang, yeah. and she helped him through these gospel songs. Yeah, because he did know any life. of the gospel, yeah.
0: any of the songs. I the one interview I I read is just like in no universe did we know the same songs
1: so here's yeah exactly so but he said with the, with amazing grace he was all in yeah and so after he sings it so i just he wrote an article on this which was fantastic i'll yeah. put it in the show notes it was incredible it gives you all this information so he said after we finished and people were applauding muriel leaned over and whispered in my ear child you can let go now it was an incredible maternal thing for her to say to me just like sitting in Reverend Al Green's church, I was again transformed. It was almost as if my mother was whispering in my ear. From the time I left Memphis and went back to home to New York City, I knew I had a song in me about my experience there. Yeah. But what a moment where she speaks to him in this maternal way, so the mother he has not had yeah. becomes Muriel who says, let it go. Yeah. And she also said, go home and write the songs you're meant to write now. So that's yeah. another thing he had said. It's time, to, and so it's time to move on. Is kind of the, the notion you can do this. He yeah. said so within the year he wrote his whole album. Yeah. So yeah. that's ins- it's incredible. Yeah. And such a moving story because they kept up friendship as you had found out. Yeah. They 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 um because he came down a, uh,
0: at least one other time and played with her uh, and played this song prior to him recording it, and she said. You need to record this song.
1: Yeah, the one with me in it. She yeah. said that's the
0: one. <laughs> but uh, no, they they kept up a kept up a friendship. She came to his wedding, um, and but unfortunately passed away um, shortly before this uh, the song was released. Yeah. So she didn't get to experience uh, this song's commercial success. But uh, a huge, huge part that she played in in making this song happen.
1: And he's referenced, according to Muriel's son, which I saw on a YouTube clip, where he said that Marcona's referenced her as his guardian angel. Oh, really? So, you know, a lot of angels in here. A lot of
0: angels in here, yeah. Yeah,
1: angels, ghosts. This is, in some ways, this is a pretty neat sort of story of the sort of divine intervention in his life. Where you have ghosts walking around, leading him to places. Yeah. He stayed out of the jungle room, which is yeah. probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Elvis was doing there, but we definitely have W.C. Handy looking down, Reverend Al Green guiding him. Muriel. Yeah, so he's got all these guides along the way. It's a
0: great story, and and my my other favorite part I think is uh is that line at the end of this verse, like "Tell me, are you a Christian child?" And I said, "Ma'am, I am tonight." Because you can you can feel that you can feel the energy and, and like Mark being caught up with the emotion yeah. of it, right? And just yeah. like. Like, I know this didn't happen, really, but uh, but you can still picture it happening, right? Like, oh, you, yeah. he's at that piano with her, and they finish the song, and, the, and there's the applause, and and like and he's just caught up in, in everything.
1: Yeah. It's a pretty amazing thing what these trips can do to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, I got a question for you, Frank. All right. Tell me about a trip that you've gone on that's kind of been some sort of transformation in your life, either small or big.
0: Um, actually I was talking about this with someone today. Uh, probably, uh, one of my most transformative trips would have been, uh, my trip to Ireland, uh, about 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, that was just, that was my first real trip away. Um, beautiful countryside. I like to pretend I'm Irish sometimes. So I felt like I fit in a little bit. It, it was just an amazing experience. It just kind of, Going off into like a different a different country and just experiencing the culture and and everything about it it was it was it was a beautiful beautiful trip, um, and I think it sort of uh, gave me that love of traveling a bit too because uh, I'm pretty basic that way you know I like travel.
1: <laughs> this is a very basic way of saying yeah. <laughs> it. I had a trip to Edinburgh and uh, England so i did like two trips so one was that uh, part of the same trip but i went to manchester then to edinburgh and the manchester trip someone threw a brick at me oh yeah <laughs> that's right i was just like such that. a target everywhere i went and Edinburgh, someone tried to fight me there too and i couldn't understand it thank you i have a life of guardian angels who realize someone wants to fight me in a bar because yeah. i'm just tall thin and look easy to pound yeah. i guess Last time I went to England, someone threatened to fight me too. I don't know. I like to stop going to the UK. They don't like me there. I like I like the UK oh, a lot. Oh, yeah. So, that was one. But there's another trip I had with our good friend, Chris Newkirk. Mm-hmm. So, when he lived in Niagara-on-the-Lake here, near where we live, he needed to go back to New Jersey. So, I went for a drive with him. So, I just kind of rode shotgun with him all the way to his parents' house. Yeah. The parents took me into the house and I had... Dinner there and breakfast. Talked to his dad about the end times or something like that. It was great. We just talked at length, and then we went into the city and hung out with his brother. Mm -hmm. And it was great. It was just like all these characters would come into my life. That I'd meet these people in a city I really hadn't been in. I don't. I think that might have been my first time in the city. Oh, okay. In New York City, and it was just like cast of characters who come in, talk into my life, ask me what I did. But at the time. I was in contact with my wife to be Ashley. She was my yep. wife to be because she was she was in another relationship, and yep. I realized I'd lost her years earlier. And through the drive, I'm like, "Oh, I don't know what's going to go on. And I was talking to Chris's ear off about what was going on and and she was with somebody else, but they broke up while the trip was happening. So yep. all through the trip, things there just was me just making sense of my life. by the time we came back to Canada, I was ready. It was like okay, all you know, all focus is on getting Ashley back. Let's let's make this happen. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Chris, for listening. Yep. And we played some great tunes on the way on his old like his. He had one of those old iPods where you yep. just put in things. So we're just hitting up different music. He's introducing me to songs, but yep. I feel like the guilty pleasures started to come up, especially yep. when he's like, "I'm not listening to that song." <laughs> Turn it to the next. Did Did you play "Walking in Memphis"? No, played Fleetwood Max everywhere. Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> close as we were gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was the first time you heard this song?
0: Um, the
1: first time I it must
0: have been on the radio, or maybe I saw the video on uh, on Much Music. No, no this this predates when I when we had Much Music. So I I heard the song on the radio, and uh, it, it was it was a it got to number three in Canada. So it, it was played, um, played quite a bit. So um, yeah, basically when, when, when the song came out, I, I eventually bought the tape. Um, so this album is, it's, it's quite a good album. There's, there's a lot of really good songs. Silver Thunderbird is a great song off of the album. True companion. We were talking about this before, but I think this was like my attempt at having mature tastes. Right. Cause uh, 92, 91 when it came out or when it was recorded and and i think it was released in 91 so it would have been 14 years old so think about yourself at 14 years old and and being a little bit uh a little little immature but i I think this was my my attempt at at being a, a more mature music uh fan
1: that's quite a move. So I think that leads us to talk about the Grammy Awards. Yes. So he wins for Best New Artist, but let's talk about who he defeated. Well, I don't like saying defeated, who they gave the award to over these people.
0: It's a David versus Goliath uh, story, right? Because um, the other the other four artists who, who were um, nominated, CNC Music Factory, so, you know, dance, fun, pop music, Boys to Men... Yeah. Who went on to have this massive career? Yeah. Um, Color Me Bad, which we've also featured on on Guilt Free Pleasures, um, and they had they actually had a very big career in the early '90s as well. And then Seal, yeah. who went on to marry Heidi Klum, so he did all right for himself,
1: and he did Kiss from a Rose. Well, I did greatest well, songs yes. of all time. Yes. But that's there, quite a grouping. And so Mark Cohen has sold the least amount comparatively. I'm sure CNC Music Factory sold more. Although I'm still arguing like at that time, Narcon is with with a song like that, which is like really once in a, it's a once in a career song, but it's also yeah. a song that jumps out in terms of it's, it's of its time, but it, it, it carries on forward mm-hmm. where people generally aren't listening to I'll Make You Sweat i don't think i mean i'm sure they are yeah but walking memphis has that respect it's not a, there's nothing kitschy about it yeah yeah um but where those other tunes like color me bad yeah we we've gone over this if yeah. you, you're interested we've done uh podcasts on color me bad seal and and boys, boys to men. men. yeah and don't worry cnc your time will come yeah <laughs> I would have voted for
0: Marcone. I think at that moment. In re- in retrospect, yes, I would have. At the time, I probably would have gone with Boys to Men. Yeah, actually, you know, it, it'd be a toss up because it would have been Boys to Men's first album, uh, which had uh, oh, there's a lot. Of well, big yeah, because it's best new artist, right? So it have to be their first album. Yeah. Um, but even uh, even the Seal album, Seal, because I cause it had crazy on it, and, which was uh, like a, I, I think I've said this before, it was a bonkers tune. It's great if you haven't yeah. listened to it, you need to listen
1: to it. Yeah, so I actually I can take that back. I don't know if I would vote for Mark Cohen for that. I know Billy Joel did because he sent him a message saying he yeah. did, but um. Yeah, that's a tough one. However, I still maintain Mark Cohn is is special type of songwriter. There's yes, a, there's a group of the '90s that are like him. Yeah, and it's okay to only have one hit, but that yeah. when if he were to come to town, we're definitely going to go see him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, in a heartbeat. Okay, let's talk about song universe or mixtape. You got any mixtape songs? I
0: got I got a couple of mixtape songs. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, I went with the um, same theme yep uh with the with walking in memphis so it would be walking in memphis graceland paul simon good call yeah and then uh this is this goes with the both the naming of a city and uh and something that happened in
1: memphis viva las vegas oh good one all right that's good i have songs that have the same sort of for me like Texture or feel yeah. or that have that they're the same type of singer to me in some ways. Mm-hmm. I have Bruce Hornsby's Old Valley Road oh, okay. range. I I liked that Bonnie Raitt song. So maybe like Have a Heart or something like oh, like okay. a Bonnie Raitt uh not the major hit, but a, a Jackson Brown these days. Well Jackson Brown was a, it's clear that he was a huge influence, right? I think James Taylor I'd like to say Fire and Rain, but no, I wouldn't. I want Carolina on Carolina my mind. Carolina on my mind, yeah. Yep. And Sean Colvin, Sonny Came Home. Okay, I got lots here. Joshua Cadison, remember him? Oh, Jesse? Really? Yes, yes, yes. I want Jesse in there. And a little, uh, maybe David Gray, This Year's Love or Babylon, one of those. Okay. This Year's Love, I think. Yeah. And then a little Canadian content Glass Tiger, My Town. Okay. Featuring Rod Stewart. Featuring Rod Stewart. There you go.
0: Um, the other one I would I would maybe add to that would be, uh, and this goes with the ge- geographical sort of theme of it too, is uh, "Streets of Philadelphia." Bruce Springsteen.
1: Oh, nice. You could also do Tennessee by oh, Arrested by Development. Arrested
0: Development. Who won Best New Artist the next year at the Grammys?
1: Oh, man, see all these. Uh, these. It's all full circle, and they're great too. Oh, they, yeah. they don't have to have done it. All right. That okay we got to do rest of development well absolutely yeah, okay so covers i don't want to talk I, about them should we talk about the share cover the it was
0: good re- okay my opinion is the less we talk about the share cover the better but it's uh not good nah yeah it, no uh, i sorry share but but share has um has referenced it as a Walking in Memphis was a huge hit for, for Marcone and a huge bomb for me. In
2: do I really feel the way i feel? Walkin in walkin Memphis. Memphis. I'm with my feet and feet on the field.
1: There's a cover by Paul Anka. Okay. Totally out of left field.
2: And I said, huh, sure I'll do a little And I sang with all of my might, and she said, tell me, are you a Christian child? And I said, ma'am, I am tonight, walking in Memphis. I'm walking with my feet.
1: and then there's a song by UK, I think they're from the UK, Shut Up and Dance.
0: Yeah, we were rave, talking about that. Yeah. Ra-
1: was it Raving Rave On? Yeah. It's like, well, that was certainly different. And they didn't really ask for permission, oh, okay. so they got it got pulled. Yeah. So you can't really get that version unless you go deep into YouTube to find it. Yeah. It's it's of its time, that's yeah. for sure. It yeah, was hate.
0: A, it, re- it reeks of a early 90s sort of rave culture. Yeah.
2: yeah the first-class ticket, feeling as good as a boy can be. I'm raving, I'm raving, I'm raving till the sweat just falls out of me. I'm raving, I'm raving, but do I really?
0: We didn't even talk really about the, the gospel singers at the end and, and the work of the organ and everything. There's so much to talk about in this song.
1: Is there a gospel choir for hire in like New York and L.A.? Where you're like, Let's, yeah. I need a gospel choir. All right, it's going to cost you $300 is. for a half hour. Okay, yeah, bring them done.
2: in. Yeah. In Memphis. I was walking with my feet 10 feet off a field. Wow, in Memphis.
1: I don't know if our listeners know this, but Mark Cohn survived a shooting in 2005.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: He was a, was it a carjacking? It was an attempted carjacking. So he was on tour with Suzanne Vega. He was opening, I think. Oh, cool. And they got this car with his, maybe his manager, I'm not sure, but someone came out to try to do a carjacking, but I think that the guy was on crystal meth and just kind of shot at the car. And what ended up happening is the bullet lodged into Mark Cohn's I think left temple, oh really oh geez. yeah, and but it, the way it happened was it it hit the temple, but it ended up lodging just into his skull, but it hit like this perfect spot where yeah. there was no um no real major damage. so he said after he went to the hospital he took out the bullet, he was fine. that's like, crazy fine. so. It is insane. He talks about this in his interviews. He's really candid about it. So it had me thinking about this song and about all the ghosts and spirits that exist around this.
0: Well, there's a lot of that imagery, right? Yeah.
1: So, so you have, he's pra- he kind of praised W.C. Handy to mm-hmm. look over him. Yeah. He talks about Elvis kind of hovering around there. Yeah. And we know Elvis is this sort of – he is like the spirit that exists well, that, you, that he's – A A larger-than-life figure, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there's Muriel, who who guided him. And he talked about Muriel being his guardian angel. Yeah. And she passed away, of course, before the song came out. We talked about Mm -hmm. that. But he talked about her as a guardian angel. So I can't help but think about all this, that in 2005, so now we're, I don't know, 15 years or so since the song came out, he has this experience, but is able to live, to tell and c- to continue on mm-hmm. so you know these ghosts still remain
0: yeah these uh these angels looking over them or, yeah. or whatever right boy you got a prayer in Memphis. listen to the song and just really soak it in and enjoy it and and just and now that you know a little bit more uh maybe you already knew all this all this stuff but uh just, like, take it from Mark's point of view, right? Like, it was uh, just such a transformative experience, right? You know, I, I, I think we've had a, a great time exploring and, and uh, talking about this song. I feel like we've done a good job, but do it really feel the way I feel?
1: Well, whatever we're feeling, this has definitely been Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.